Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You work for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. All right, America, this is Rich Valdez, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, right here, 17 floors above Madison Square Garden, right here in New York City. And facts matter. That's why I always get my facts from JustFacts.com. That's right, F-A-C-T-S, facts. JustFacts.com uses primary source data. In a time like this where there's so much fake news and craziness going on, you don't know the truth about COVID, you don't know the truth about what AOC is saying, Get the facts from JustFacts.com, F-A-C-T-S, JustFacts.com, and go to JustFacts.com slash rich to sign up for their newsletter to get free updates on all of their primary source data and special reports. Now, this weekend, I had a chance to sit down with Juliet Huddy and go head-to-head with her on several issues, straight from the president to Cuomo's response to what's going on in New York City with COVID-19 and more, and we got to hear from other New Yorkers that called into the program. Check this out. Yes, I'm playing the role of the, uh, the, tr- the Trump-hating lefty. And on my right, because you are on the right, is, is Rich Valdez. You know Richie V. He has that uh, wonderful um, uh, This Is America podcast, which is really great. I think that's Gracias. like the number one podcast of all of the podcasts that we have. Well, amen to that. And yeah, I mean, much. it is very good. You do a great job with that. And also, he's the call screener, the very patient call screener from the Mark Levin Show. Um, so we only have an hour, so let's get um, let's get right to it. You get your gloves on, Rich. And I, I, you actually did bring gloves in here. I did for a little bit of prop for yeah, some, you know, uh, promo I didn't, photos. We should we have done busy that. I know. In our uh, we were, show prep. yeah prepping for this this knockdown dragout. So we're going to get down and dirty. We're going to fight over four topics today if we can get to them, including should Governor Cuomo have shut the subways? Um, should the president stop holding those press briefings, or should he potentially, you know? redefine them. And then finally, is it time to lift the lockdown? That's a big question, obviously, that we're going to get into. But first, the first round question. Ding. How well, has... Well, may may yes, I interrupt? Yes, please, I, please. We have a belt. Yeah. The first round question is, how has Trump handled coronavirus? So I say bad. Rich says good. So let me preface what I'm about to say about Trump's failure with regard to coronavirus, because that's exactly what I think it is. Um, but first, I want to say we collectively as a country, I think, have failed. We all saw what was happening in China, then in Italy, yet we still did not hold our leaders accountable collectively. What we did do was what we continue to do with every uh, national issue. We immediately politicize it. We allowed our leaders to politicize it, actually, and we fell right into lockstep. Rather than community, it's party. It's us against them. It's the Republicans against the Democrats. It's the right against the left. I mean, it was equal opportunity failure. So that said, and I and believe me, I can I can go on and on about Cuomo 
right now, but I'm just going to focus on Trump. Trump, to me, is the one who's responsible. At the end of the day, he is the person who bears the most responsibility for what's happening here in the U.S. He's the person at the top. He is the president. He had the rest of the world, the world as a standard bearer. He didn't need Fauci. He didn't need Azar. He didn't need Burks or anyone to tell him that the U.S. was going to be savaged by this virus. All he had to do was look at Europe. That was the proof. That was the warning, Rich. Well, I think, like Curtis Lee always says, I think you couldn't be more hopelessly wrong. <laughs> now, it's true that the buck stops with the president of the United States. Okay, I'm glad you said that. I agree. Yes. Right? And that's why I think he stepped it up. Right? I'm looking at a timeline here from a really left-wing rag from the Washington Post. They say that on, uh, the CDC started uh, issuing initial warnings from the Wuhan virus on January 8th. Fast forward to our first case, which comes out around the 20th or the 22nd, between there, I think the 21st. And seven days later, the president takes extremely decisive action. By letting 40,000 people in from China? By shutting down flights and stopping them from coming in. I w- I'm not going to argue with you that that was a good thing to do. That was proactive. But, but by the same token, the fact is that the Trump administration deconstructed the institutions that we needed not only to deal with the pandemic, but to warn us about it, the development of one. I mean, he got rid of them. Um, he did this well, in 2018, I, I, I and those, would, were, those were two years that I we could have been. I would back there saying that it wasn't really getting rid of. I think it was more of merging with a different office. They didn't get rid of the people. They just moved No, them. they got rid of people. There were people on the ground in China who were not on the ground anymore. But I'll you know, concede the point that they got rid of some people, but they didn't get rid of the office. They merged those people. And I think good for Trump. I take the, the affirmative on that saying Trump did the right thing in stopping this $300 million because we've been funding that stuff for Lord knows how long. We've already known about this pandemic. We learned about the uh, shortage of ventilators and beds, at, at least at the New York level mm-hmm. in 2008 because of that research. So with all that being said, I think it, People needed to be ready for this, and I think Trump took extremely decisive action. Well, first of all, even if we did have those people on the ground in China and in Wuhan to watch what was going on and to take the temperature and watch, you know, the satellite images and all that that stuff, would this administration done have anything differently? I actually don't think we would have we would have known earlier that there was a pandemic. So instead of knowing in early December, we know in early January. But from then on, we had a solid month, a month to five weeks, essentially, for the president to start readying us for the onslaught. Instead, he made jokes. He said they're politicizing it about the Democrats. They tried to beat me on Russia. The impeachment hoax, they've tried anything, and this is their new hoax. He said that in early March. Um, that, that, was, that was the Democrats that he's talking about. He's focusing on blaming. That was early March. Two months after we knew that the coronavirus was here, that was, he was still saying that, and a month after it hit our shores. So what was he doing? He, he said, he said we would have 27 million tests by, by the end of March. We've had 5 million. 5 million tests, that is less than 2% of our population, Rich. All right, so let me backtrack a little bit with you. So, number one, I think the president was spot on in doing what he did to roll that out. I think in terms to of- roll, To roll what out? The task force. And the measures that he took. As things escalated, he did what needed to be done. I think you look at Italy, and it's there's a few things that are very different from Italy to here. 
several things. One, their health care system. B, the age uh, of the elderly that they have, the proportionality well, of it. Hold on a second. When you say their health care system, because Curtis talks about this all the time, they actually have a very strong health care system. And the reason that people live so long, the reason that they have so many old people there is because they live long. Well, I would argue against that, saying the reason they have so many old people there is because in Italian culture, much like Hispanic culture, your old people live with you. And my old people lived with me. And we took care of them and we rejected the idea of a nursing home. So I think that strong family value is part of what keeps them alive and keeps them in the home, which in this case was also to their detriment. But Italy's one-sixth, close to one-sixth the size of the United States. So when you see something getting ravaged this way, there's... And you've already, again, in March, early March, you're saying you've over a month already or six weeks, maybe seven weeks that we've already suspended these flights. So now the only people that are coming into the United States are American citizens, people that are supposed to be here. And you saw what happened. Now, look, I I agree. American citizens should be let in. But you saw what was happening when they were coming in at the various airports, whether it was San Francisco here. They weren't being there was no temperature taking. There was nothing going on. That was a disaster, Rich. That was a huge problem. They should have been quarantined immediately. Well, I think this is a tough one because it's easy to say that with uh, imagine Trump saying we're going to quarantine everyone right away. He's the dictator. Number one. I think we didn't know that we need to do those things. So what we did was what the CDC guided. You know, Trump was faulted so many times that he needs to follow the experts and the experts gave this guidance. And they said, if you were in a foreign country and you had a symptom, self-isolate. That was the word of the day. We saw what was happening. We saw we saw what was happening in Italy. And then and then the rest of the the, uh, countries over there. That was what I meant by the standard bearer uh, comment I made earlier. We saw what was happening. We knew what was going to happen here. How many times you have to admit, I can't. How many times did the president say basically downplay and say, but it's not going to be a big deal. It's going to be fine here. And and how many times did he say we would have enough? Granted, he took a very positive approach. And and I appreciate his positivity. (laughs) But what I will say is that I myself, I looked I I looked at Italy and I looked at China. I said, man, thank God we're in America where that's not going to happen. And being in in the belly of the beast, uh, I'm grateful to say this is definitely not as bad as it was projected to be. Oh, thank God for it. 60,000 people, a million infected. And this is just the early months. It's only been a few months. What was the projection? The first well, projection I mean, was, uh, Lord knows, 180,000. Uh, people were talking about potentially millions. But again, as I've, as I've said from day one, this is something that you it's a brand new virus. It's a very, very crazy strain of a virus that we already know exists. Granted, nobody knew what was going to happen with it. But that was the point. I mean, again, I guarantee if this was Obama, the right would be pointing and wagging their fingers at him uh, well, listen, for lack of testing. I, we are, we, I point my finger at Obama for everything. We are behind Germany. Canada, Spain, and, and Italy when it comes to per capita testing. Still, four months later, this, we're a superpower. We supposedly have the best healthcare system in the world. Why is this? That's on Trump's shoulders. How, who, who else is, who else's fault is it? Is it Fauci's fault? Is it the Democrats' fault? Is it my fault uh, being in the media? Well, I'm, yes, I'm going to go with you, number one, okay. because today you're the leftist. <laughs> but in reality. Today I'm the leftist. The, the issue here is, and because, and just a disclaimer, Juliet's not really a leftist. I'm she's, very she's more of a Trump hater yes, than a leftist. That's exactly it. But what I will say to that is, there were elements in place. Yes, Trump is the CEO of this company called the United States, and he needed to do what he did because What does he have? He's got Fauci. He's got Burks. Clearly flawed, very flawed in their data, flawed in their approach. So, yeah, do I do I fault him for saying you've got the wrong people on the job? 
I'll take that one on the chin. But oh. in terms of saying wow. that uh, our CDC... So it's never his fault, is it? Never his fault. He can take credit for all the good things that happened, but when it's bad Trump things... Trump did not go failures, to Wuhan and bring back the virus. Um, it, it doesn't matter. Trump... Trump is the president of the United States. The virus hit our shores. We have not tested more than 2% of our population. That's crazy. Uh, to me, testing is like four polling. Months. I think you, you test. Testing is, not, testing is like polling. Testing is what's going to tell us who's sick and who's not sick. Well, if you look at the stuff that we just, uh, well, the stuff that I just printed out, they're saying that these regional samples that have to be representative of regional populations is really what's going to get us to find mm-hmm. out if we have herd immunity or not and what the... the the density of these infections are. But the regional so samples, we don't even know. I mean, I, listen, I'm the first person to say, I want these, this uh, the antibody. antibody test. And that's what I, I'm talking I'm about. I'm dying for that. But we just don't know how accurate it is. I mean, we're seeing, we're, we're hearing every day, you know, every expert, every doctor, every scientist saying, well, we've got this out here, but we can't necessarily rely on it. There's no question that there's plenty of guesswork. But I will say, I think Trump has been fast and very decisive in doing what he's got to do. I don't think he's been... Uh, twiddling his thumbs. I think whether he made a good choice or a bad choice on certain calls, he made the call and he made them quickly. But we do have a full call board, yes, so I do. don't know I if you're comfortable in say. going to that, but I'd love to go to them. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're the good one with the uh, knowing how to take breaks and all that stuff. I'm sort of, well, I always let Curtis do that, so I'll just play the dumb one. All right, well, before we go to break. Oh, God, I said I'm looking at the calls already. Uh. Well, pick one. Well, all right, how about we go to BJ, because he's my, he's my buddy from Queens. We are your buddies. We disagree like grown-ups. I gotta tell you though, uh, you're entitled to your opinion, but unfortunately you're not entitled to the facts, Juliet. Oh, boom! Oh, yeah, back. wait, what? Now, Specifically. Now, now my friend uh, Rich Valdez over there, he's got it right. You know, Trump wasn't in charge of the subways. The governor and the mayor in charge of the subways. They dithered. Trump immediately closed the flights from China. He switched to a, he was, he was overly optimistic, I think, but he was trying to calm the financial markets. And he immediately, I mean, I, I don't know. Look, we can disagree on a lot of things. I don't know a country on the planet where you go from making pillows one day to making masks and, and sheets the next day and ventilators. This is unbelievable. The, why, the, why the was there, took. why was there such a lag time before we actually started to roll the tests out? Why was there such a lag time when it came to the president himself actually admitting this is a really dangerous pandemic and it is hitting our shores? It's hitting our cities. You there? He's trying to calm the markets. Now, that said, I can critique the president for giving too much of a voice to uh, the medical community, of Fauci and the others. But, yeah. you know, you made oh. a claim. They're the that, experts. Well, well, you made a claim about uh, him dismantling, uh, uh, you know, defunding de- de- yes. the CDC. But let me tell you something. We funded this WHO, 450 million bucks. The Chinese gave 40 million bucks. They gave us a bump steer. It's not so well, you're, I, I, you're, the, so, you It doesn't preclude me. My, 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 my dislike for Trump doesn't preclude me from also criticizing the, the WHO, which horribly mismanaged this. Trust me, I agree with you on that one. BJ, we got to go. We got to go. We got to take a uh, break. We've got other amazing topics coming up um, that I'm really looking forward to slamming you down with once again, Rich Valdez. But let's be uh, let's take a quick call. I, I take a quick break and we'll get back to you in just a moment. You're listening to Right versus Left with Rich and Juliet. Boom. This is America. 
All right, New York, I am Rich Valdez, accompanied here by Valdez. the lovely Juliet Huddy. Say my name with a, with a Latin accent. Juliet. <laughs> sí. So we're here, 17 floors above Madison Square Garden, right here in New York City, with a bird's eye view of all of the crazy things that happen. And one of the things mm. that you can see is the amount of people coming in and out of the subway. And it's a hotbed for coronavirus. Yeah, So yeah. the topic right now, Juliet Huddy, is... <laughs> should we have shut down the subway Ooh. or should Cuomo have shut down the subway? Now, I've argued this position before saying that I think that, yes, they should have shut down the subway, at least in the initial parts of this initial lockdown from when it was March 18th or whenever it was that we went hardcore mm-hmm. with that. I think they should have done that because that would have slowed the spread of travel, period. The argument that the governor made was that essential employees need to travel. Yeah. And granted, as an essential employee, I have not stopped coming to the city for the last seven weeks and right. doing it six Same. or seven days a week. So I use public transportation and I've usually been the one person on my bus or whatever. Uh, and now there's more people. However, and, you know, in hindsight, I look at that and I say, you know what, especially looking at the uh, MIT report, that MIT report where they superimposed yes. the subways. Mm-hmm. This was damning, uh, damning evidence that Cuomo may be guilty. He may have blood on his hands. And I'm not just saying like hindsight, because I get it. This was a tough thing for everybody. Yeah. So the question I have is, I think it should have been shut down. What's your thought? I, look, ideally, yes, I, I, it should have been shut down. The problem is, like you said, first responders, frontliners, hospital workers would not be able to get to their jobs. The problem, the biggest problem is that we were woefully unprepared for this pandemic. Uh, not just the president, but also Governor Cuomo, who again was watching in real time, just like we all were. I mean, from the federal and state level, lack of unprepared, lack of preparedness has caused major, major problems. Had Governor Cuomo, and this is the big thing, had he and Mayor de Blasio been able to put their fragile, weak egos aside and communicated, perhaps they could have come up with some sort of alternative plan. We could have kept the subways running, yet, you know, maybe use the city's however many million school buses that are just sitting there idle along with the drivers as some way of sort of alleviating the pressure on the actual uh, subway system itself. I mean, that was one thought. You wouldn't have MTA employees. You wouldn't have the cops having to get shoved in there. But instead, you know, there's this lack of communication between Cuomo and de Blasio, who is a complete disaster himself. Um, The other problem is... Had they worked together, they could have reassigned the city's police force, you know, putting them inside the subways using the Thrive NYC uh, uh, workers. I mean, is there even a Thrive NYC anymore? Yeah. That's the agency that uh, Mayor de Blasio assigned his wife to that was given a billion dollars and we don't know where that money went. Where is that money? I mean, th- it's stuff like that. And instead, we're seeing this disaster with homeless people doing God knows what in the subway system. People, living uh, in it. Living in it, uh, you know, going to the bathroom in it, fighting in it. And it's basically a moving Petri dish every day. 100%. I, I think I, I agree with you in, in respect that we could have had a modified approach. That's a concession I think I would have made. And, and I, like I was telling you earlier, I can't even get into Dwayne Reed oh, without a mask. Uh, well... Right. And they make you wait. They'll tell you or target. They tell you we have 10 people in there. You got to wait 20 people, whatever their number is. But yet you can put 
50 people on a subway cart, no problem, with NYPD on the platform because de Blasio put them out there, but for show. Yeah. Because there were no MTA officers that were put out en masse by the governor saying, hey, we're going to limit the amount of people that get on public transportation to mitigate this. Or even, I made fun of de Blasio when he said, we're going to print 10,000 parking permits for healthcare <laughs> workers. I thought, to, what a clown this guy is. Yeah. So just tell the cops not to get tickets near the hospitals yeah. if it's that serious to you. And it is. This is a, a big pandemic. It's a big emergency emergency. The issue I think that we really needed to focus on here was why not say something I would have supported is maybe printing an ID badge or something saying you're allowed to ride the subway and you're not like I have. I and I'm sure you have one too. this well, letter you, that says you can move exactly. Around. That, yeah. that, they should let those people as so, essential employees on the subway and everybody else. Sorry, you can't come in. Yes, that's actually true. So if you don't know about this, people who are considered essential employees, I mean, we are we got a letter um, and it is basically something that if if we're asked, we can show it to whatever. Uh, you know, officer or official asked us for it. Nobody's asked me. I mean, it's, I think, I think it's like sort of just kind of something that makes us feel better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and thank God nobody's asking me for my papers, right? Somebody yeah, asked yeah, me for my, my papers. God. I might lose it. Oh, stop that. Poor Rich. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's been communication chaos from day one. And you can blame Cuomo and de Blasio for that because they have no communication whatsoever. Well, we have a minute left. I say let's go to the phones and let's go to Will and Teaneck. You're on with Juliet and Rich Valdez. Hey, listen, you know what? When you look at things in hindsight, you could be like the armchair you know, coach saying, well, you know, he should have done this. He should have done that. They, oh, they should have done this. They should have done that. And yet, when you look at it, it, we're like three months into this. The amount of things that have been done in the three months is just amazing. And before this virus hit, what has the uh, United States or any other country ever done when a virus or a pandemic hit the, uh, you know, the world, the country? Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is unprecedented. And when you look at the speed at which this country has mobilized, you can't say, oh, Trump is a jerk. He doesn't know what he's doing. Well, I think some of us can say he had a lot of uh, he had a lot of information at hand and he took a while to actually uh, execute it. We're going to take a break. When we come back, it's right and left with Rich and Juliet. This is America. I'm Juliet Huddy on the left, and my righty pal is Mark Levin, call screener extraordinaire, and the host of the podcast, This is America, Rich Valdez. So we're going to go on to another um, topic. It's the third round, and we're going to talk about Trump's daily coronavirus briefings, um, or should I say pep rallies. But before we do that, I mean, we do have quite a few calls uh, teed up. So let's go to Fred in Metuchen, New Jersey. Hey, Fred. What's up, Fred? I hate hate to be nasty, Juliet, to a lady, but... You ought to be ashamed of yourself. I'm a former Democrat. If if Obama had done what Trump is doing, you'd be saying this guy deserves an award of the world. Why is that? A Nobel Prize? Wait, why do you say that? I I didn't vote for Obama. I'm I'm not an Obama supporter. I I wasn't. Juliet, a little while ago, you said if Obama was doing like Trump is doing, they'd be criticizing him. 
I, I did say that because remember, I don't know if you know this, but I worked at Fox News for 20 years and I worked through the time that Obama was president. And I I saw the uh, social media messages. I uh, was stopped on the street many times by the right. And they had lots of pleasant things to say about um, Barack Obama when he was doing things that weren't, you know, it's something that he should be criticized for. So if it was if it was that was my point. Juliet, again, as I say to you, you're a fine lady. However, However. <laughs> what, what Trump has done, what Pence has done, just watch them. It's unbelievable. I'm a public I speaker. agree. I can't believe. I can't believe the way these men have worked night and day getting the answers, Juliet. Now, Rich Valdez. Yes, sir. A fantastic guy, Rich. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. There's no but there, though. There's no you're a fantastic no guy, but. but. You have a great head of hair, Rich Valdez. <laughs> thank you, Fred, for your call. We appreciate it. Anytime anybody wants to dump on Juliet, call. She's such a good sport about I it. I play a role. I, I get it. I mean, by the, I actually don't take it personally anymore because I do realize that I play an important role, which is sort of to be the... the the punching bag. The punching bag, because I represent the people in your life that you love and that you care about that are that are Trump critics, and so you don't want to yell at them. That's right. So when we're so, at family dinner and yes. and Aunt Patsy <laughs> yeah. is a hard lefty, yeah. and you're like, I can't. This is my mother's sister. <laughs> I could never say that to her. So you do it to Juliet. One eight hundred eight four eight. I can take it. I can take it. So anyway, I congratulate the news outlets that have chosen um, to dump out of these press briefings when Trump starts talking or just completely ignore them because if it again if it were any other president i would never say this but i have never seen a leader and i use that term lightly like donald trump he has taken what has been the most devastating frightening period in modern time and turned it into a propaganda effort let me just tell you the i think it was the washington post that they did a little um they did a little anal- analysis he spent 13 hours at the podium over the last three weeks and best 13 hours on TV, best ratings okay, ever. Well, exactly. We, you know, he's reminded of his, us of that. According to this tally, of those 13 hours, two were spent attacking people, including the journalists in the room with verbally abusive, misogynistic, and childish comments. He spent an, under an hour patting himself on the back. He spent 10 minutes pushing an unproven drug, and he either said something misleading or flat-out lied a quarter of the time. Like, 87 comments or answers in the last three weeks contained false information. That's 47 minutes worth of false information. Finally, the jaw dropper for me, four and a half minutes out of these 13 hours. That's how much time he spent expressing sympathy for people who have died from coronavirus. This is not a, this is not a pep rally. This is a briefing. He should be the ringmaster of the circus. He should introduce and then walk back and let the experts do the talking. Yes. So, you know, no? years ago. Well, again, I love you, but you're wrong. Years ago, I learned about something. A woman taught me. I was next to a woman, and uh, we were doing a presentation, and, and she was like limping. Were you guys dating? No, she was a colleague, a professional colleague, and she was limping, and I was like, what's wrong? And she said, oh, my shoes are killing me. And I was like, why wouldn't you wear more comfortable shoes? And she said, it's all about form over function, baby. And I was like, what does that mean? And I learned this lesson about 12 years ago or 13, 15, I don't know how many years ago. But she explained to me that the, the pointy shoe that made her foot hurt made her feel more confident and looked better with her outfit than something that worked better so she could stand up. Now, and if I, you talk to this woman, how many years ago was this? 12, 13 Okay, years she's ago. probably got bunions now and she probably would have a completely different take on this. Could be. By the way. But I learned the I form versus experience. function debate or analogy, a way of looking at things. 
things. And I think that's the problem that so many people have with Trump. They're used to the pomp and circumstance of every stuff suit politician that gets up there and uses incredibly eloquent, polished words and delivers a speech and is rah, rah, rah and is above the dignity of the office. Yet we elected a billionaire playboy who's remarried to a supermodel who left his mansion on Fifth Avenue, his skyscraper, to go to Washington to try to fix it because all hell has broken loose. And we know what we got. We didn't vote for a chief morality officer. We didn't vote for our pastor, or our priest. We voted for Donaldus Magnus El Trumpito, <laughs> Donald J. Trump, the 45th president. So in doing so, I think the form versus function debate is still alive and well, but it's in politics today. So when, when we look at these things, we look at them through the lens of we we're looking at George Bush or somebody else. Donald Trump's not a politician, and we knew that going in. So I think, again, looking back, saying, hmm, he's not as reserved. He's not as polished. He doesn't own no, things the way he should. But the problem he is, is a shrewd New York businessman. That, well, he's and a, God bless a New York businessman that has had several bankruptcies and has run in many uh, companies into the ground. But we all know that you have to admit, Rich, you've got to admit that he gets up there and he cannot handle somebody asking him a tough question. He immediately turns it around and makes the person, whatever journalist it is, it doesn't even matter who it is, he attacks them and calls them lightweight or hacks or accuses them of fake news. This is his way of turning it around and getting out of it. And by he's done such a great job of convincing his supporters that every single one of us journalists is a, is a part of the deep state, is a liberal. Do you how many, can, can I just ask a question? Let's just, let's just say for argument's sake that everyone, every journalist here in the mainstream media is a liberal. Okay. Let's just say that. And, and that is out, they're out to get Trump. Let's look at the rest of the world. Let's look at the rest of the world. Every, basically every news outlet around the world says the same things that we do. They call him out for his insane behavior. They call him out. Yet at some point, when, when are Trump supporters going to go, you know what? Maybe it's, maybe just maybe it's not the media that's the problem here. Maybe it's the guy that's calling out the media every day and trying to make it sound like they're part of some conspiracy. I know a plenty of people who are conservatives, myself included, who have been conservatives, who are part of the media, who are able to look at something and say, this isn't okay. I don't like this guy, even though I, I vote Republican, or I don't like that guy, even though I vote Democrat. He, he has taken it to another level. He, he has made it. You are. It's us against them. It's once again, form versus function. You don't like his form, but he functions really well. I, he's good I, for I, America. I disagree with you. How is he good for America? He is the he is the ultimate divider. This country is not you. This country isn't united. We're not trying. We're all, all collectively. When was the last time you saw politicians reach out across you know the aisle in in the times of tragedy? We always saw that. We don't ever see that anymore. It's us versus them, and he is the one who's at fault. I would disagree with that. I think the us versus them thing started. Probably about seven, eight, nine years ago, and it became very partisan. And well, became when, very like, par- specific with, with Obama say, during that administration, it, things became. He brought the United States back to to the FDR era, to to an era where hyper partisanship ruled in Washington, and and he took the ball and ran with it. So I think Trump's now landed in this Washington that Obama's helped to create. Because Bush wasn't that guy. Bush was the guy that said, hey, no child left behind. And the, the, the Republicans were like, oh, hell no. You want to do that with, with Kennedy? 
I feel he like he is a reach across the aisle kind of guy. I feel like it makes it makes Trump supporters feel better to somehow think that the only reason that his critics don't like him is because of the way he behaves. No, I don't like the way he behaves and I don't like what he is standing for. I don't like what he's doing to this country. It, it, it's it's well, my argument. How he be, behaves is 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 the last thing, the, the, the least important thing to me. I, I don't think that Trump is dividing the country. I think Trump has come into a divided country. Remember, when was the first time you heard the term they're obstructionists? This was some a creation from the Democrats when they went way left and they said, you know what? The Republicans, it, they stopped wanting to work with us during the Obama administration. Remember when Hillary called uh, her critics deplor- Trump supporters deplorables? It was just like, oh, my God, how can they do that? I am officially human scum. I have been called human scum by the president of the United States. Why? Because I used to be Is a Republican. Is it because you're human scum? Yes, that too. But it's because I was a Republican and now I'm not because of him. So I'm human scum. Uh, you know, that, that is, that's, that's not leadership. That's crazy town. I think that's electing the guy from The Apprentice <laughs> and sending him to Obama's Washington. But can we go to the phones? Yes. You can, you can pick whichever caller you'd like. All I, right. I, I feel well, sorry I, for you because I've been yelling at you. Well, no, no, that's fine. Listen, we've got, <laughs> we got a little bit of I actually time, don't so feel sorry for I you. I know we got your buddy. Your your, uh, your paramour, Sal from Brooklyn. Sal from Brooklyn. I love Sal from Brooklyn. Is this the Sal Sal? Yeah. Then we got Lou in Union City. Um, mm. We got a lot of people on here, but let's okay. go to Sal okay, in Brooklyn. Sal, hey, Sal, what's going on? You're on with Rich Valdez and Juliet Huddy. Hey, happy Sunday. <laughs> hey, how you doing, hey. Sal? What's going on? So we miss Sal. Sal was gone for like months and months and months. He calls into our show all the time. Then one day he was just gone. Um, Trump, I almost said Trump is convinced. <laughs> Curtis is convinced that Sal went into the witness protection program, but... Juliet, I am, I am not in the witness protection program, nor have I been in the uh, the joint, so to speak, as Curtis thinks. Okay. All right. We believe you. What's on your mind, brother? <laughs> hey, Rich, Juliet, can we, I don't know, should we talk, can I talk about the subways? Can I talk yes, about go ahead. Go ahead. The yeah. floor is yours, my friend. Okay, here's what I think. I grew up in the subways, all right? And now, did you live there like the homeless people, or you just utilized them frequently? <laughs> uh, I have slept on them, but that was there for a little bit. <laughs> All the other weekends. There are a few too many cocktails. Yeah, no, but you know, I agree. But Julia takes it every day, and, and I don't know if you do, Rich, but it's like I happen to think that this whole thing, with the, with the mask closing down or keeping it open, directly related to the homeless issue because it, the homeless exist. If they didn't exist on the subway, then I don't think it would be as much of a controversial <clears throat> topic because health issues, you know, possible crime uh, in, in, this, in this particular time with this virus, spreading the virus. And in my opinion, if you want to look for the antibodies for the uh, coronavirus, it's probably on a handrail in the A-train. Oh, God, no <laughs> kidding. I know. I know. I think you're 100% right, Sal. <laughs> And uh, it, it raises a good point. And I think one that uh, actually Juliet and I won't kill each other over is that Cuomo probably took the wrong approach with the subways. And that's putting it mildly. Yeah. yeah. I, I think he, he really, really dropped the ball. There, there was so much more mitigation that could have been done, even if you left it open. It, it's a free for all. It's disgusting. They, the transit workers are doing a good job cleaning it. 
when you keep putting people in there and you allow homeless people to live in there. Yeah, and then you try the people that are trying to go to their jobs are getting off the train and going on to another train because there aren't homeless people. But then there's you know 50 other people that are doing the same thing. I mean, and by the way, I mean I, there have been things that I can congratulate uh, Governor Cuomo on, but you know when I look at that, when I look at the elderly situation, the the, the nursing homes, I, I just I cannot give him the A plus that so many in the media seem to want to give him. Yeah, I'm giving him an F, maybe an F minus if I'm allowed overall, to. Overall? Overall? Overall. Oh, I think, really? Okay, I think well, he's an absolute disgrace. I think the only thing he's mastered is how to do a good podcast. I call it the Andy Cuomo podcast. And I don't do a good Cuomo impression, but his, well, you know. You um, have to roll your L's. Um, my mother <laughs> and my brother. And he gets it. And it's just, it's, it's, it sounds like, like he's really just trying to tell a story. Well, it's a narrative of, of Andy Cuomo's life. He wants to because that's that can be very effective. It's the same reason that uh, you know Chris Cuomo talks about his. I mean, that it's why yeah, we talk, I talk about, about my I family know. too. I love them, I but know. I'm not the governor, and I'm not managing the well, corona. Well, crisis. the other thing is that it was very hypocritical. Hypocritical because he brings up his mother Matilda, the wonderful Matilda. And then look at how he's handled the nursing homes. I mean, yeah, we're launching an investigation into the nursing homes. Let's before we do that, let's try to save the people that are in the nursing homes right now. It's an absolute disgrace, but we will be right back. This is America. Welcome back, everybody. Um, Curtis. Yeah, I got to stop saying. This is I, I know, right? I off, I, I'll yell sometimes at Curtis or, you know, we'll start to go back and forth and I start saying my husband's name. <laughs> it's like when you have more John. than one kid. Yeah, you start I know. naming every kid yeah, I know. My house. mom calls me your sister's names. It's like, um, welcome back. It's uh, the right versus the left. Juliet Huddy on the left playing the role of the lefty and Rich Valdez playing his role of the righty. And I actually am a really righty. Uh, Juliet's not a real lefty, but she does a great job playing a lefty. Well, there are definitely things that I lean left uh, uh, towards. I mean, I'm I'm a liberal in some ways, and I'm a conservative in others. Yeah. Well, are I feel you like liberal? most people are like that, though. You're, That's you're not wrong. Are you liberal or conservative on the idea of opening up the economy so that people can earn a living and feed their families? Um, I am. Well, it dep- I guess it depends. What what I basically feel is that we clearly see that the economy has to open up. People are suffering. It's we now know what to do. We need more testing. I, I don't know why this is still a problem, but let's put that aside. I think what we have to understand and what we have to acknowledge is that the most vulnerable people are elderly and people who have pre-existing conditions. These are the people that need to understand that they have to stay home. They have to keep you know, self-isolating until we can find a drug or until we can get the vaccine and things start to slow down. Unfortunately, you know, that's not what people want to hear, but we've got to get the economy going. So I am a supporter of opening up, but I do really, I, I am concerned because this is such a, it is such an ambiguous sort of mysterious Bizarre. virus. I, it's just, we, we, we aren't seeing the same patterns with this as we have with other viruses. So that's what really concerns me. I, I just really want to have an antibody test that can give us, you know, some good information and can be reliable. You know, I always look at things like this and, and I'm, sometimes I oversimplify. And one of the things that I always think is, you know, my whole life, whenever I've worked, people always tell you if they see you sneeze twice in a row, they're like, listen, if you're sick, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> listen, I, I don't get the whole office sick. Right. That's right. always been the thing. So. I understand that if you're sick, you don't come to work. If 
you know, I've had my own parents who were elderly and who were sickly. And if I had a cold, I wouldn't go see them because I didn't want to get my mother had an autoimmune disease uh, mm-hmm. that that she, if she caught a cold, she can get a pneumonia. Mm-hmm. So I think to myself, if this has always been the standard, why is it different now? Why didn't we hide our old people? Well, the problem is that the incubation period is the key. The incubation period with the coronavirus seems to be a couple weeks. So you could be walking around not knowing that you have this virus. That's the problem. I get that. And it's a silent killer. I get all that. But I still think old people... Uh, senior citizens, those that are um, somehow compromised, immu- immunocompromised, stay away. Stay away from people and let everybody else get back to work. You know, it's e- so easy like to Georgia, say that, though. Because like Georgia, we need to open up. Yeah, we do need to open up. So when do, when do you think New York, I mean, since we're, we're talking about New Yorkers, I mean, when do you think New York needs to start opening up? Well, listen, I, I will take heed to uh, Governor Cuomo's recommendation of the 15th, but I will tell you this. Coming here today, it's Sunday. I drove into the city today Mm -hmm. because I missed two buses. And... Yes, there was a line of cars at the Lincoln Tunnel. Yes, oh, it really? took me longer than usual to get to Madison Square Garden. Hmm. Why? Because there's cars on the road and there's people in the street. Yeah. That wasn't the case last week or the week before. Are you just finding, homeless? Are you finding that people are that people in your life, friends and family, are starting to maybe make little um, exceptions for social distancing? Hundred percent. Yeah, I, I definitely am. People have reached their tipping point. They've seen that the curve is flattening. They've seen that you know the data is in, and we 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 had enough ventilators. We had enough this. We had enough that. Well, thank God, because we socially distanced. I, you know, I, I think that a lot of us didn't weren't really convinced that the American well, community would actually stay home. I mean, I was pretty perhaps. shocked when I started seeing people not coming in. Yeah, you know, I, not. I got to say, I, I agree with that. I, I also thought more people would be like, "Hey, screw you! Yeah, I'm gonna do whatever yeah, I want." Hundred percent. But I'm glad to see that Georgia's opening. I'm glad to see that uh, hopefully other places are going to open up. And 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 when it's appropriate, yeah, we should open. And that should be sooner rather than later. There's a lot of the Sabaro across the street is closed. Why? I don't know. Why isn't Hooters doing takeout so we could get wings while we're doing the show? <laughs> yeah, cause it, I, yeah hey, I know exactly. But here's the problem that I have when we when we talk about. I mean, I'm sort of talking out of both sides of my mouth, but when we talk about the elderly and, and people with you know conditions having to stay home, that's not necessarily all elderly. I mean, I've had friends who have been in the hospital with coronavirus. You know, people who are people who are going to be people who are our age, people who are younger, pe- they're going to be affected by this. I mean, we're hearing these reports that a lot of these young people are having blood clots and then having strokes. I mean, that seems to be on the uptick. So it, it's, you know, I think it's really easy for us to say, yeah, old people just stay home. But, you know, that's. Well, and I say that because of the numbers. I, and I, get, I know. I got I get these it. from, from uh, the Stanford thing. And I thought they were interesting. So I'm just going to share a couple. Mm-hmm. 18 to 45 year olds the cur- for New York, the current um, fatality rate, 0.1. That's 10 per 100,000. Then 75 and older, 90, 95% of them. Um, were um, immunocompromised. Mm-hmm. 99.2% of them had an additional underlying health issue. So I thought that was pretty interesting because they really were, when you look at the numbers and the statistics, yes, I know people too that are under 75 that have gotten ill and this and that. I see people dying mm-hmm. a lot. I, I, I've been asking a lot of people, and this is a little off topic, a That's little right, bit tangential, but I open up my Facebook, which I don't do too often. Um, and when I open it up, I literally see... R.I.P. to this one, R.I.P. to that I know, one. I don't know, I know if that's everybody's situation, yeah. but what my friends, yes. the people I know, they're losing their tias, their abuelas, they're losing a lot of people mm-hmm. in their family, even young people, some people younger than me. So 
I, I, I get it, but I don't think that is the norm. When you look at the numbers, it's really uh, they're one-offs. I agree. And again, I, it comes down to the testing has to be, we have to be, according to, uh, I think it was a Harvard test. Oh, Lord. All right. Oh, that's, that's our five-minute five minute warning. Bell. What does so that, that even mean? I, I never watch boxing. We, we go to calls or or uh, somebody's got to call do it calls, a, a, a yeah. win or a loss. Yeah. Let's go to the phones. <laughs> uh, let's go to the phones. Let's go to Billy in Queens. Hey, Billy. Juliet, who should be president? Uh, oh, out, of, yeah. out of Trump yeah. and Biden? Uh, yeah. What? Huh? what? You asked me a question. Did you are you going to let me answer well, the well, question? I heard, uh, I heard, uh, Billy what, has what? Billy has a little bit of a mental issue. Oh, okay. So whenever Good. they Billy, let him what's, out, what's your burden, brother? What's your burden? You keep talking Trump. I, I'm not a Trump supporter necessarily, but you got a better idea? Then say it. If not, shut up. Okay, well, that's nice well, of you. You sound like you're very stable, I know. I Here's my thing. When you start to scream at and abuse and verbally and all that kind of stuff, you yeah. lose because you sound like you're stupid. So either try to come with an eloquent argument or an argument, period, or just don't, you know, don't bother. Billy has a tough time. He sounds like, he kind of sounds like Mickey Mouse. He's like, he hey, stresses it's out. Out. Man, and, he just stresses me he out. He doesn't really express himself well. Words yeah. aren't his strength. <laughs> Clearly. You know what I mean? But Clearly. Let's go to Lou in Union right. City. Lou, you're on with Julia. I used Julia to live in Union City. Does. Me too. Did you? 49th Street, right? off of Bergen Oh, really? Oh, I lived on Manhattan. Avenue. Big Lou. Hey, Lou. Good afternoon, guys. Hey, what's up, brother? How you doing? Listen, I just want to say, um, you know, for any Dems listening, you got to look at how, you know, Cuomo, uh, DeLazio, you got to see how they treated the homeless people out in New York and left them out to die, basically. Um, Agreed. Their, their, you know, lackadaisical approach on how to deal with the situation is going to cost billions of dollars. Uh, oh, it's also going to cost jobs. lives. It's also going to cost lives. There's Lots not of much lives. of a debate today because, I mean, what is there to debate? The hardest hit, you know, state in, in the United States is run by Dems. And well, I would I'm, say I'm it's gonna, largely their fault. I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. I think the Democratic machine in New York State needs to be um, d- dismantled and rebuilt. I think there needs to be, you know, there need to be Republicans that are elected that are able to hold you know, the Democrats accountable. I mean, when you're giving freaking tickets, Mets tickets away to criminals, you know that there's a problem. And, and we obviously see that there is a big problem. Let's take one more phone call. Adam? Yeah. Hey, Adam from Atlanta. Hey there. Good afternoon. Hey, how's it going down there? Um, I'm. I like to see that uh, things are getting back to normal little by little. I'm glad that that is happening. Um, I just wanted to say that yeah, there's a lot of uh, blame for Trump, but also we have to call out Fauci because back in January he said they really Americans really didn't need to worry about it, and he also said that you know that chances of getting coronaviruses are be- is very low. So. I think he should get some blame as well. Well, I, 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 you know, blame goes all around. Yeah, that was very bizarre. I don't know what the point was that. And I don't, has he even responded to that? Well, you has see, Fauci even- is a, a, a real swamp creature, if we're going to use that term, uh, a real bureaucrat. Well, wait, why? Be, well, because he's been there since Reagan, number one. And number two, if you hear him talking, he been, hey, Fauci, your tests from the CDC were no good. Well, you see, the thing is, uh, because of the test, uh, the test was, the, some tests <laughs> did not work. You don't sound like fact, a Brad test, Pitt doing the, did no, you see no, Brad Pitt do I, the? I saw a little <laughs> bit on the Twitter. But the thing with the test is, he's more like a Mel Brooks. And the thing with the test is, sometimes they don't work, sometimes they don't. We have to stick with the data. We have to stick with the model. 
models that we have. Look, the models I'm, only as good as what you put in. I'm not a Fauci cheerleader. I'm not a Fauci detractor. But I do think that there are other people besides Fauci that are that are supposed to be giving Who, uh, like Donald Trump. Trump? Who are supposed to be advising the president, but the president ends up firing all the people that, uh, you know, that challenge him or give him information that he doesn't want to hear. Well, I will say this. I think the president took bold, decisive action. And in fact, uh, there's a quote. Well, you're wrong. In the Federalist <laughs> that says that. Uh, you're wrong. <laughs> that the policy that he took. They say that this will have saved countless lives. And for that, I salute the commander. What policy? You're talking about the China is that the only thing that you can say? The, chi- the we China, go from the China closing down to the, the entire task force. Give us another hour. Oh God! <laughs> That's all we've got for now. I hope you enjoyed the debate that we had with Juliet Huddy. We'll be bringing you more special programming like that as it's available. But I always say, if you stand for nothing, you fall for anything. And I always say, if you stand for nothing, you will fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to do nothing. So do something. And of course, read something so that you know something. Be prepared. Go out there and be engaged. Until next time, America, I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com.